The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Israeli President Isaac Herzog has just welcomed U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken to Tel Aviv, saying that they were grateful for all the support from the U.S. But uh, Blinken has said he will press the Israeli government to do more to protect civilians in the latest escalation of the conflict. Uh, As you know, Israel killed a top commander of Hezbollah in South Lebanon yesterday. Now, joining us to talk about this precarious situation is World Affairs Editor with The Independent, Kim Sen-Gupta. Kim, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Kim. Can you tell us uh, about Blinken's mission? I mean, what is it about, really? Uh, Is it about the optics of appearing to do something, or does he have serious messages for the protagonists? Well, I think it's it's, it's more than than optics. I think there's genuine concern uh, in Washington, as, of course, there are in in a host of other Western capitals, in London, Paris, Dublin, etc., that, you know, this this, this, uh, bloodshed, uh, needs to end in Gaza. But there's also concern that um, as the Gaza war winds down and the Israelis uh, have, as, as you know, been withdrawing some of their forces from Gaza, there is increasing danger of um, the conflict spreading uh, through the rest of the, of the region. You pointed out the, the killing of the Hezbollah the commander, Wilson Tail, in southern Lebanon um, yesterday. Uh, day before yesterday, I think it was, and uh, you know the, the 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 number of Hezbollah killed by Israel has gone to, gone up to more than 150, and more, around a dozen Israeli soldiers have been injured or killed, and the Israelis are talking about settling the northern border. So, uh, to Mr. Blinken's mission is is is, is to try to wind down the Gaza war as um, fast as possible, but also to prevent another conflict spreading in, in Israel's borders. Now, the uh, attack that killed the Hezbollah commander um, it could be seen as a provocation on the one hand, uh, perhaps bringing Hezbollah closer uh, to a outright war with the Israel, or on the other hand, it could be seen as a warning by Israel that we can do this kind of thing. Well, I mean, you're beginning, you hit the nail on the head, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's a mixed message, but I deliberately said, and in keeping to an extent with what the Israelis have been saying, uh, Gallant, the, uh, the defense minister, Israeli defense minister, has said that Israel does not want uh, another war in its northern border, and they would like to see a political settlement. But then, uh, 24 hours later, he says, you know, unless Hezbollah uh, backs down from its attacks, then you know they can cut and paste Gaza to Beirut. So it's very much you know uh, a sort of carrot and, and, and stick approach, um, and it's really a question of of um, at what point does Hezbollah uh, uh, decide that you know they will strike back in a in a major way, which they haven't done so far. Now, the Israelis have reduced their number of their troops by uh, 50% for the moment, and they are continuing their their war, uh, you know, sh- uh, discovering tunnels and uh, some supplies of weapons and so on. But one of the things that, that, that intrigues me is that, you know, why are they not liberating hostages if they're doing so well? As we know, the hostages that did approach them were shot dead by Israeli forces, uh, accidentally or otherwise. So why are not more hostages being liberated if they're doing so well against Hamas? 
Well, very good point, and it's the one that's being now very loudly asked in Israel. You know, the hostage families who have been a very articulate and strong force in in lobbying uh, for the release of their um, uh, their captive um, loved ones, um, and also the fact that you know the the whether the the Israeli government thinks that sacrificing hostages in the greater aim of of, of destroying Hamas totally uh, is is justified. Now, the, there, there have been more and more anti-government protests in Israel. Uh, there are only a, a few dozen the last time I was there, but you know, the, the, the recent ones have attracted you know up to a thousand uh, protesters. So there are questions being asked, you know, in, by the public in in the direction of the war. And let's not forget the fact is, you know, the Israelis are killing commanders, um, Hamas and Hezbollah, but they've yet to kill or capture the two most senior uh, Hamas leaders in in um, Gaza, Yahya's Sinwar and Mohammed Daif. And by their own estimate, you know, they have probably eliminated something like 25 to 30% of Hamas fighters. So, you know, so it, 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 the war is certainly far from over um, inside Gaza. And at the same time, of course, you know, we have seen the, you know, the, the huge number of um, civilian casualties. And there are those who say that Iran is the problem, that this is a, a proxy war, um, Iran uh, versus Israel being fought via Hezbollah and currently Hamas. And that if you change the leadership in Iran, which at one time was a very forward looking country, um, if you if you could manage that, that uh, a lot of the problems in the Middle East would resolve. Well, I mean, that has always been the Israeli narrative that it's Iran, which is the puppet master. They're the ones who control Hamas and Hezbollah and the Houthis in Yemen, of course, who are now firing rockets at um, Israel and also, of course, shock shipping in the Persian Gulf. But uh, regime change in, in Iran is is not something you know, that's going to happen uh, in, in, in anytime soon. I mean, you, we, we have seen there is violence inside Iran, the the uh, death of around 103 people and the ceremony for um, General Soleimani, who himself, of course, was uh, killed uh, by an American drone strikes. Um, but the, the, the but, but Iran has claimed, as has Hezbollah, that they were unaware of, of the Hamas attack on the 7th of October, they were not privy to to what was being planned. And the other point you make, of course, Iran was a forward-looking country, not just before the revolution. I remember going there you know, just a couple of years ago when the government was um, looking outwards after the signing of the of the nuclear accord with the rest of, um, of the international community. But that, of course, went when Donald Trump pulled out the U.S., and you have now got a very hard line uh, no. regime in Iran under Raisi and, and, and they are in no mood to compromise. It's interesting that one of the claims being made by uh, Trump and his supporters is that uh, he's the one American president in recent times that did not start a war. Um, but what you're saying is that by turning Iran inwards again, he may well indeed have been instrumental in what is going on currently in Gaza. Well, I think, you know, I, I covered the last um, Iranian elections and, you know, the, the fact is that the the nuclear agreement uh, having failed, 
uh, you know, the impression I got from speaking to people in, in Tehran, Isfahan, etc., is that they felt, well, there's no point in, in voting for a reformist government because they haven't really achieved the end of isolation. Um, and, and, and thus, they failed to vote. The moderates and an extremist government got in. So, so that has certainly, um, as you say, been the result of the nuclear deal, the JCPOA, uh, floundering. Now, the Biden administration and um, the other signatories, France, Germany, the UK, China, and Russia, uh, tried to resuscitate the nuclear deal. But frankly, that has uh, got nowhere so far. And as we know, uh, the Iranians are, are busy enriching uranium for their nuclear program. Now, the, the question of what happens at the end of this, uh, no end in sight, unless, of course, uh, Joe Biden looking at how his numbers might be affected uh, by the conflict uh, in Gaza and the images that are uh, forever on American TV screens uh, coming out of Gaza of uh, children being bombed and mutilated and so on, that uh, he, he will turn the screw a bit on Netanyahu. How likely is that? Well, I think you know there there have been lots of um, lots of lots of noise coming from Washington on, on the need to um, to to scale down the Israeli offensive. When Biden, uh, Mr. Biden, was heckled yesterday, he said, you know, he's he's at a public meeting that you know he was he was trying to get the Israelis to 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 um, uh, try a, a less aggressive form of combat in 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 Gaza. But it's really a question of you know, how much sway he has got over the Israeli cabinet. Now, there is a point of view from the opponents of Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, and there are many uh, who say that, you know, it's not in the interest of Mr. Netanyahu to end this war because the day after, for let alone what happens in Gaza, the day after, what happens in the day after in Israel is of interest. He's facing, uh, of great interest, you know, he's facing investigations as is the is his, his government as are the military yeah. and, and intelligence chiefs on, on what went so wrong on 7th October so the day after this war is over the Israeli Prime Minister will start facing official serious questions now again this is the point of view of the opponents that it is in his interest to keep this uh, conflict going for as long as possible and and you know mm-hmm. To save, his, to save his own skin. Kim well, Sengupta, World Affairs Editor with The Independent. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.